Again, let's get into God's word here. James chapter 5. This morning we're going to talk about keeping our word, as you see the title of the message there, keeping your word. And notice verse 12, and, and we'll get deeper into this in a second here, but we're setting this up. James says, but above all. And he really gets into, again, our word here. And is our yes, yes, and our no, no. Are we a people that manipulate the things that we say? Are we ambiguous? Are we clear in our commitments and so forth? And then do we do our best to follow things up? Let's ask you this morning, is your word your bond? And praise God, as we look at our example, God's word is his bond. God's word is 100% true. God's word is upright at every single turn. Proverbs 8.8, 8, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness, nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to him, right to those who find knowledge. Um, notice Psalm 12.6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever dealt with someone whose words are crooked? Their words are perverse. That's not fun to deal with, is it? And isn't it a praise that God's word is not crooked? That absolutely, 100% of the time, it is accurate and it is truthful. And praise God, in his word, he gives us promises. And those promises that he gives to us, they're not ifies, they're not maybes, but they're yes and amen. Notice 2 Corinthians one twenty: for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And God's promises aren't halfway. God doesn't give a promise, then say, well, you know what, later on we'll kind of see how it unfolds. But when he gives a promise, when he makes a prophecy, absolutely, those things come about in God's perfect timing. And we can have even the assurance while we're waiting for those promises to unfold. Again, God is truthful to what he's promised. And also, he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes, and even those promises that we have, that are ours, that are inheritance, they're actually going to come to fruition in God's timing that is absolutely perfect for us. Even regarding the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, God's coming that he's promised to us is well going to happen and be in God's perfect timing and we can rest in that today we can rejoice in that now with those things said let me ask you this morning are you a follower of Jesus Christ can you say amen to that amen. you put your faith on the Lord listen if you don't know the Lord today if you're not a follower of him I tell you today's the day of salvation and absolutely all of us in this room are sinners we've fallen short of God's standard we've transgressed God's law and God is holy, and God does not commune with sin. When man sinned in the garden, he brought death and separation between man and God. And listen, there's death and sorrow and suffering in the world, not because of God, but because man chose to go his own way. And listen, if we die in our sin, we're under God's wrath and condemnation, and there's eternal consequences involved, and that's all bad news. And the fact that that's bad news makes a lot of people hesitant in sharing that bad news. But listen... God's word is true, and God doesn't waffle on his word, so we need to open up his word and see what it says. And absolutely, if we die in our sin, we're going to be separated from him forever, and that's the truth of the matter. But the good news is that God sent his son, and Jesus Christ took on the form of a man. He was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin, and he went to the cross to atone for our sins, to die for our sins, because the wages of our sin is death, so Jesus said, I'm going to go and die for them. And he was buried in the grave. But death couldn't hold him because he was without sin. And listen, again, even next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and we celebrate this every Sunday, and we should celebrate it every day. But even next week, and even a more of an emphasis on the fact that Christ rose from the dead and defeated sin and death and Satan. That whoever will put their faith in Jesus to be their Lord, and that means you have to turn from whatever your Lord is, and everyone's got a Lord. Most of us have multiple Lords before we came to Christ. We've got to confess that as sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's where we become born again, and then that's where we become followers of the Lord. So if you don't know him, that's the gospel message, and absolutely the Lord wants to be your Savior and your God today. Call on his name. And that for those of us that have said yes, that we're followers of Christ, we need to know that in that, now we've been given the Holy Spirit, 
And absolutely, we have a call on our life not to go imitate the world and walk in our own sin, but now we have a call to be imitators of God. And listen, as God's word is pure, as God's promises are yes and amen, God has called us to be a people who keep our word as well and a people who have integrity in what we say. Third John or third yeah, third John eleven it says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does not who who does evil has not seen God. And then Paul said, First Corinthians eleven one, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And first Peter one fifteen, but he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So again, as God's word is pure, as God's words are or his promises are yes and amen. Again, we see in our text this morning that that should be the case for us as well. And we're going to talk about that and we're going to see when that's not the case that we fall into judgment. Now again, as Christians, again, it's not a matter of losing our salvation, but there is still a judgment that we fall under. And that, and listen, if you don't keep your word, people are going to judge you and there is going to be some ramification in your interaction with others. Absolutely, we know God chastises his children. Do you like it when your kids lie? Do you not discipline them when they lie? Do you not do that out of love for them? Because you know if they get out in the world and they are liars, it's not going to be for their good, is it? That's the case with us with the Lord as well. And we also, again, know that we're called to walk in newness of life. And if we just bury that call, there's going to be a judgment as well. In regards to how we lived our life as followers of Jesus Christ. And these things should be weighty. Now again, let's read our text here with these things said. And we'll break this down. There's a lot of truth here for us this morning. He says, but above all my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So again, he wants our word to be true. Just as God's word is true. He wants our promises to be yes and amen, just as God's promises are yes and amen. And then we'll see here with these oaths, God does not want us to be ambiguous about what we promise. We're going to see here this morning that the Pharisees took oaths to manipulate situations, to make light, to make a way out of what they had promised to do and to make light about not keeping their word. And God does not want that to be us. So notice how he starts here again, but above all my brethren. That's a weighty way to start a scripture, is it not? Especially considering everything that James has been led by the Holy Spirit to pin in this epistle up to this point. The word above here means to means before, in front of, or superior. So superior to all, and all here, are you ready for this? All here in the Greek means all. It means everything else. So James is saying, listen, this is, a big, this is a big deal, especially considering, again, everything we've been taught here, he's not saying that this is, again, of more importance than all those other things, but absolutely, he's saying, in light of all the things, this is even all the more important, because James has talked so much about the tongue, and he's talked so much about not just being hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. So this is an area that oftentimes is taken lightly by people, but he says, listen, this shouldn't be taken lightly by anybody. It really should be a thing where, but above all, shouldn't even have to be put here, but it's being put here for our sake because so oftentimes, again, we make light of keeping our word. We don't want to be found of people doing that. That's not something that should be a light matter. It's something that is a big deal. Again, listen, if you don't keep your word, or at least to do the best to keep your word, then if you think about it, your word really doesn't mean a whole lot. I hope and pray that none of us are in a place this morning in our lives and our interactions with others that when we say something, people in the back of their mind, they're thinking, yeah, right, this, pe- this person never does what they say they're going to do. Because, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, that has a great detriment on others as well and an effect on them. I mean, think of it like this. What if God's promises weren't yes and amen? We know that Jesus Christ in his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, he fulfilled over 300 
messianic prophecies, prophecies that were given hundreds, in some cases even thousands of years earlier before he came into this world. It's one of the ways that we know Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's one of the ways that we know God's Word is holy, that it's set apart from all other books. Because prophecy is fulfilled over and over and over again. But let's say that, you know what, Jesus came and he was deemed the Messiah by men, but he was hung on the cross, but he never rose again from the grave. Everything kind of loses its weightiness, does it not? Let's say that he wasn't born in Bethlehem, that you know what, he was born in Damascus. And he wasn't born of a virgin, but of a woman that already had, you know what, five kids and was in her mid-30s or something like that. Let's say that, you know what, he wasn't conceived through the Holy Spirit, but by some guy named Larry. We got a big problem, don't we? Uh, we got a huge problem. All of a sudden now, listen, God's word is not God's word. The word of God is just kind of another one of those books that's deemed a holy book that is not holy at all. God's word is accurate. And so we absolutely revere it. We understand, listen, this has been revealed as the word of God, even in the prophetic nature of it and all the prophecies that have been fulfilled. So hopefully we read it with reverence and we don't look at it like any other book. And if you've been looking at it like any other book, you've got to understand the prophetic nature of it and absolutely the power behind it and absolutely start holding it up in hard regard. It's the Word of God. But again, think about our own lives. If you know someone keeps their word, you have a different respect for them and who they are versus someone who doesn't keep their word. And we've been called to be imitators of God. If we're not imitating God and keeping our word, that doesn't do a lot for our witness, does it? In fact, if you're an individual whose word doesn't mean a whole lot, you're probably living a delusional life. You've probably fooled yourself into thinking you're something that you're not. And again, I guarantee you that there's many around you that have a low view of you. They may not voice that. They may not express that. But again, if you continually break your word that will be the product not my opinion notice proverbs 9 or proverbs 10 9 he who walks with integrity walks securely but he who perverts his ways will become known and when we start talking about perverting our ways this isn't just talking about the person that lives the seedy lifestyle over here if you don't keep your word you are perverting your way you are not representing the lord proverbs 19 1 better is the poor who walks in his integrity the one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. And again, perverse in his lips. We can have a tendency as Christians to think, well, you know what, that's standing around the old water cooler and telling dirty jokes. And absolutely, that can fall into that category. Or, you know what, perverse in his lips is one that has doctrine that is not sound. That absolutely would fall into that category as well. But perversity in the lips is also one that doesn't keep their word. That their yes is not yes, and their no is not no. And again, they are going to be labeled a fool. Think about it. We're really more known by what we say and what we do than what we think we are or what you know what we think other people think about us. Don't you measure other people? And it's not here that we are called to make unrighteous judgments, but we are called to use some common sense, right? If there's someone that does not do what they say they're going to do, there is a certain amount of judgment, and really rightfully so, that you know you have towards that person. If you're going to hire somebody and you know someone doesn't do what they say that they're going to do, you have to make a judgment for the sake of your company, those people that you serve, and other people that are going to work with that individual. We're known by what we say and what we do, not by what we think or what we think others think of us. And hear this this morning, if you do not keep your word, you will be known as a, are you ready for this, a flake. And if you're a Christian who does not keep your word, your witness will be known as flaky as well. And you are giving fodder for the enemy to take to use as an excuse for people not to consider your Lord and Savior. And that has eternal consequences. Notice Titus 2.6, it says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. And notice verse 8, Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, 
having nothing evil to say of you. And again, that sound speech would cover, again, the type of words we use. It would cover our doctrine, and you better believe it would cover if our yes is yes and our no is no. Again, that they would say nothing of you. And if you're a believer that goes around sharing the gospel, but you don't keep your word, they're going to focus more in on, again, saying something evil about you and even using it as an excuse to say no to your Lord. And again, notice what he says here, but above all, my brother. He's talking to the body of Christ here. And again, you would think, well, we're followers of Jesus. We don't need to know this. We already know this, but we do need to know this, don't we? Because we're in a process of being sanctified. And before we came to Christ, perhaps we grew up in a household where it was a pattern of not keeping, you know, your word. Perhaps you grew up in a home where your parents would say, we're going to do this, but they never did that. Or we're not going to do this, but they ended up doing that. And that's been ingrained in you. Well, now the Lord wants to break that curse. That is a curse, believe it or not. We talk about generation curses. and We talk about drinking and all these other things, which absolutely can be. But what about not keeping your word? And again, we can make light of that as well, right? And, and God doesn't. But above all, my brethren. And notice here as well, listen, but above, above all, my brother, not only when we don't keep our word are we being a bad witness, We're also not loving our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times we measure that by warm fuzzies when we gather together. Listen, God doesn't measure our love for one another by our fuzzies. He measures it by our actions. 1 Peter 4.8 And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And James over here doesn't say, but above all, have a warm feeling about your brother and sister. But you don't need to keep your word to them because you got a warm feeling about them. He says, but above all, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And if you say yes to your brother in the Lord, no to your sister in the Lord, but you don't actually do those things, you're not loving them. And we need to know this because we are such a, an emotional, fuzzy drilling, fuzzy driven culture where people measure things and even their love by, you know what, their filling meter versus their action meter and their words meter. Think about this as well. We gather together on a morning like this and we worship the Lord. And there was some robust worship outwardly. I don't know anyone's heart, but it looked like people were worshiping the Lord this morning. It seemed like there was a real focus on the Lord and people were tuned in to Him. And if we gather together and we sing praises to God, but as soon as we leave this place, we don't keep our words to other people. Are we really then worshiping God with our mouth or are we just hypocrites? I think God's probably more concerned with our yes being yes with the worship of our mouth than if we're, you know what, singing all the words on a Sunday morning or not. James talks about that, right? Out of the same mouth shouldn't be, you know what, Salt water and fresh water. Shouldn't it be the case? Now it's interesting, again, but above all, my brother, do not swear either by heaven or earth or any other oath. Now, there's a lot said about this in the scripture. First of all, this goes back to instruction given in the Old Testament. Notice Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23. He says, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be a sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed it to the Lord your God, what you promised with your mouth. Now, what's being said here is that you bring a greater judgment on yourself when you make a vow to the Lord versus just saying yes or no to the situation. You got to understand there were a lot of individuals that in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the emotion of whatever the situation was, they would, you know what, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord versus again, really counting the cost concerning the situation and praying about it and asking the Lord, are you calling me to do this? Because if I say yes to doing this, I can only do it by your strength. And so let me not vow in the name of the Lord something the Lord has not called me to do or I cannot do. And when it comes to yes and no's and so forth and oaths that are made, 
we absolutely need to be a people that count the cost versus getting caught up in the emotion of the moment. Because listen, when it comes time to actually do those things, most likely those emotions are going to be gone at that point, right? Because you're going to have time to have actually thought, think about the situation and so forth. Jesus, in talking about following him, he said in Luke 14, 28, for which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. And listen, there's application when it comes to us and what we say yes or no to, because he goes on to talk about the person looking foolishly who said, we're going to do this. And then later on, they didn't have what it was needed to be able to accomplish that task. And then Proverbs 14.29, it says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. And so a lot of these people were being impulsive and saying, yes, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord, brought a greater judgment upon them, and they hadn't really counted the cost. The Lord wants us to do that. Listen, oftentimes the answer needs to be not yes or no, but you know what, let me consider that and let me pray about that. That's an okay thing to say. I know myself, I would far rather have someone say to me, let me really think about it, let me pray about it, let me count the cost and get back to you, versus in the heat of the emotion, say yes or no, and later on say, boy, why did I do this? I got caught up in kind of the moment and so forth. I can't actually do this, because what's that do now? Everything's set back, isn't it? And now there has to be undoing of what has been done that will never get done, because the person cannot do what they said they would do. This also goes back to what Jesus taught concerning oaths. The religious folks of this day were greatly manipulating oaths made unto things to excuse themselves from things that they said yes to that later on they didn't want to do and to force others to do things whether they liked it or not if it benefited them. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 16. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it, fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obligated to perform it, fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar, swears by it, and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple, swears by it, And by him who dwells in it, he who swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits on it. So basically what these guys would do, again, the people that were supposed to be representing God, they would say yes to something, and they say, I will do that, and I swear by the temple that I would do it. But later on, when they decided, I actually don't want to do this because it's not going to benefit me, I thought maybe it would, now I realize it won't, they would say, well, I only swore by the temple, so it's not a big deal. Therefore, I can get out of this commitment. So they would swear by things in their mind were less weighty things. It'd be like this, saying yes to something, but behind your back, well, I crossed my fingers. And because I was crossing my fingers, that gave me the out. On the other hand, though, because they were in a place where they had control over other people, these guys were really thugs, it was a type of mafia, and I don't make light of that. It was really a, it was a gangster mentality that these Pharisees and, you know what, supposed of leaders of, you know what, I don't want to say the church because it wasn't the church, but these supposed of leaders of Judaism had at that time. And so they would make others swear by more weighty things. And what was the more weighty things to them? Not the temple, but the gold of the temple. So if someone come and try to, you know what, say, well, we're going to do this, they would say, then you need to swear by the gold of the temple. And then when someone didn't keep their commitment or couldn't keep their commitment, they would say, well, listen, that's a far more weighty thing. So you couldn't keep your commitment, but you swore by the gold of the temple or the gift on the altar. So you need to absolutely pay us the gold that you promised to because you didn't keep your word. And they made a way out for them. And yet they put a heavy weight on everyone else. A couple things with this. First of all, we're, we can be really good about getting irate about other people not keeping the word towards us, but how easily do we excuse ourselves when we don't do the same thing ourselves? 
We don't want to be found of people doing that. They would also do this, though, because they wanted to avoid swearing to God, so technically in their minds they didn't blaspheme God, though God knew their hearts. This is why the Lord is saying, listen, the temple sanctifies the gold, and God is the God of the temple, so you may think you're getting out of this, but you're actually not. Really what it shows there is that they were more interested in the gold than God. And if it was a spiritual commitment, something that pertained to God or their witness or worship or so forth, they would make light of it, make a way out for them because they were supposed to be the people leading this. But when it came to gold, when it came to the flesh, when it came to them benefiting the bottom line, that was a far more weighty matter. And I think it's sad because oftentimes as Christians... We put more emphasis on commitments made to fleshly things than commitments made to spiritual things. We make a commitment to a ministry or a commitment to serving the Lord in some way, and some little bump in the road comes and we easily bow out of it. But when it comes to getting the gym for CrossFit every day to do the ropes, boy, we're there, aren't we? There ain't no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm going to be there doing the ropes and whatnot, you know, doing the big tire and everything. And boy, that's a weighty commitment. But when it comes here to serving the Lord and being about his business, oftentimes those things are taken lightly. That's how it was with the Pharisees. And listen, again, they were men of the flesh, and we can easily fall on the flesh ourselves. We've all been guilty of it before. Our flesh resists the things of God. Our flesh wants to say yes to things that we No, the flesh is going to benefit from, and the flesh wars against the spirit. Therefore, there's an extra battle there going on to say, these are weighty things, and these aren't. Someone else will do it. It's God. God will cover that. It will get taken care of. And these Pharisees have manipulated a system, again, that made light of the things of God, but made heavy the things of gold. We just all need to check ourselves in that. Start with judging our own heart. Do we make light of the things of God, but... You know what? Make heavy the things of gold? What's going on with this? So he says here, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. And again, on the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord taught about this as well. On another occasion, in Matthew 5, 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And again, he's addressing the same issue. Well, I won't swear by God, but I'll swear by heaven, or I'll swear by earth, or Jerusalem. He says, listen, heaven's his throne, the earth is his footstool, and Jerusalem is his city. You can't get around it. You're trying to skirt, skirt the issue, so you're not blaspheming God. But if you make a vow and you don't keep it, you're blaspheming God no matter what. So he says here in verse 36, Neither shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. Just because you got that just for men combed in there, it's still white under there, right? (laughs) But let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these, notice here, is from the evil one. So the Lord is saying, listen, instead of trying to manipulate God and manipulate men with your lesser oath, and making them swear by a greater oath. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no. Say what your intentions are, and then be a person who keeps their word. Quit playing games with everybody. In fact, biblically, I would think the only escape clause, again, would be if you say yes to sin, and then you repent, or you say no to God, and then you repent. And then, of course, listen, we we don't serve a heavy-handed God. There's times we say yes to something. Hey, I'm going to show up to help you clean up your yard and you break your leg that week. Listen, we're not talking about that, obviously. But we're talking about the pattern when it all comes down to me at the end and what I think will benefit me, and that's going to be the basis of whether I keep my word or not. Again, it's not a pleasant thing when Someone says yes to you or makes a commitment, maybe in some area of ministry or some area of work, and then they flake out on that. 
maybe when they made that commitment, in the back of their mind, they just said, well, yeah, I'll actually play it by ear, though. Isn't it far better for them not to commit in the first place? Because when all of a sudden it's crunch time and they don't show up, you're scrambling around trying to find someone to cover that, and it's just a domino effect that happens. And I just really want to encourage you where you do make those commitments, if something comes up where you can't, whether it be with another individual or the workplace or, you know what, ministry or so forth, listen, have the integrity to pick up the phone as soon as you know so that the thing can actually get covered. At least have the integrity to do that. And listen, at the same time, too, I don't say this to say, well, I'm, you know, get you say, I'm not just, I'm just not going to say yes or no to it. I'll just sit on my hands and be neutral. God hasn't called us to that either, has he? Now, I know this is where some people would say, well, what if I say yes to something, but then after the fact I discover there's some pain and inconvenience in keeping my word? Surely that excuses me, right? Listen to what God's word says about this. This should be a great encouragement to us. Psalm 15, it's five verses. He says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. And those whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he, who honors, but he honors those who fear the Lord. And notice here, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money as usury. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Notice here, again, God honors those who swear to his own hurt and doesn't change. Jesus Christ throughout his ministry talked about going to the cross to die for our sins. It was a night that he was, again, about to be betrayed and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and it says he was in such agony, blood was, he was sweating blood. Because he knew the wrath of the Father due mankind was about to be placed upon him. You, think, you talk about committing to something and understanding there's going to be some pain and suffering. And he turned to the Father and he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way for men to be saved, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. And the will of the Father was to take the Son of the cross because there is no other way to be right with God. Our sins had to be atoned for. But Jesus kept his word, even in the pain of it. And listen, as a result of that, we're saved this morning, and we're his inheritance this morning. I can't encourage you enough. Listen, great blessings come from God when we keep our word, even when it hurts, and I'll even add, especially when it hurts. Such a great example of this found in the book of Joshua. God was bringing again the children of Israel into that land of milk and honey. And he said, when you get in here, don't make any covenants with the Canaanites. Because I'm bringing you in part to bring judgment on them. For hundreds of years, they had rejected the Lord, sacrificed their children to demons. They had worshipped demons. They had practiced gross sexual immorality with no heart of repentance at all, though they had been given a witness. So he says, listen, you're getting this land in a part. I'm using you to bring judgment on these people. So you can only live so long in rebellion against God before judgment comes. There was a group of Canaanites, though, that were called the Gibeonites. And as they began to see these cities fall before them, they said, listen, that's going to be us next. So we need to fool these Israelites into thinking that we're not Canaanites. So they'll make a covenant with us so that we are not killed. So what they did is that, you know what, they, they tore up their clothes. They got moldy bread. They didn't eat or drink for a few days, so their face was kind of sucked in, and they showed up, and they said, listen, we're a people from far away. We're not Canaanites. Make a covenant with us. And it it says that that Joshua and the children of Israel didn't inquire of the Lord. They were impulsive, and they said, yes, you can come dwell amongst us. Well, a day or so later, they figured out that they had been hoodwinked. These were Canaanites. And it says the people of the congregation were really upset with the leaders, and they said, listen, we need to do something about this. But the leaders came back in Joshua 9.19. They said, we have sworn to them by the Lord our God Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. They basically say, we're going to come, let them come in, and we're going to give them the 
the, the, the task of chopping the wood and doing all these other things, which to the Gibeonites were like, hey, listen, I'd rather chop wood than die. This is fine by me. Well, you come to Joshua 10, and these other Canaanite cities and so forth realize that the Gibeonites have entered into this covenant with the Israelites, and they regarded the Gibeonites as a great people. And they said, we're going to go down soon. We need to attack now. Let's go attack the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites then called out to the Israelites, and they said, hey, remember, we have a deal here. You need to come and protect us. And it would be very easy for the Israelites to say, oh, God's intervening here. He's taking care of my mistake. He's going to get rid of those Gibeonites for us. But God intervened, and he said, listen, don't forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, or this is them crying out, save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. And God answered Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And so even when it hurt, the Israelites kept their word. They came to the rescue of the Gibeonites. And really what happened, all these Canaanites, that they would have to go one by one to find these cities, came to them, and they destroyed them. And the Bible says God sent hell from heaven upon these Canaanites, and actually more died from the hell from heaven than at the hands of the Israelites. And make no mistake, this was a righteous war that was being waged. And then it was getting near the end of the day, and the battle was still raging, and victory was still unfolding, and Joshua said, Lord, we need more sun. So God made the sun stand still. And they had a victory they would have never had unless... They kept their word when it hurt. And hear this, there are many times when we don't keep our word because we say something more important has come up and I need time for that. And the truth is, if we kept our word, God would expand our time and give us victory that we cannot come upon on our own. And he's wanting to build our faith in these areas to trust him in such matters. Notice as well, again, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. All else is from the wicked one. And again, we know that Satan is a father of lies. When it boils down to it, when we say yes to something or no to something, and in actuality, we can go do those things that we don't do, we're not walking in integrity or uprightness. We are walking in lies. And that opens the door for the enemy to have a stronghold in your life. Truth drives them out and lies brings them in. You also need to know this. We need to know this. When we don't keep our word or a people with that pattern, we become like a bad tooth or a broken foot to others. And those aren't pleasant things. Listen to Proverbs 25, 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. Anyone here ever have a, a bad tooth? Or a bad wheel? A bad foot? Not pleasant. I don't want to be considered that. We don't want to be considered that. I've seen before where individuals' lives will radically change just by changing this one area of their life by the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. About three or four years ago, a brother in the Lord, he professed the Lord for a long time, but he came to the place where he said, listen, I'm ready to get serious about God. And I said, then let me tell you something out of love. I go, you're a flake. You don't keep your word. Your yes is never yes, and your no is never no. You're one of the most undependable people that I know. We got into a fist fight, and then afterwards we settled down. No, that didn't happen. He knew I was telling it out to him out of love. I said, listen, if... You would just change this area of your life. And God will help you if you ask him for your help. Your life will change. At the time, this guy was in great debt. He owed money to the courts. He owed money to all kinds of people. There were people out to get him and so forth. And by the grace of God, the guy changed. His yes became yes and his no became no. And three, four years later, he is in an entirely different place. He has a strong witness in multiple communities. The Lord's using him in ministry. The Lord's using him to lead people to the Lord. 
to heal wounds that had happened in his family for many years of not keeping his word, his life's radically changed. Because see, God's promises are yes and amen. And these things that we're looking at, even regarding if we don't keep our word, his promises are yes and amen, versus if we keep our word, they're yes and amen. And again, he wants to empower us and help us in keeping our word as we look to him. Now again, quickly, listen. He says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And there are times when... When, when the answer of the question should be a no-brainer, it is yes. When the Lord is asking us to do something in Scripture, when the Holy Spirit impresses something on our heart, Hebrews 3.15, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. We don't want to be a people that say, well, do I want to say yes or no to the Lord? When he is impressing on something on our hearts, let's say yes to him. And this morning, if you don't know him, listen, today's the day of salvation. It is time to say yes to the Lord today. And the scripture also talks about us meeting urgent needs. And if we see a brother naked or destitute of daily food, the saying peace to them and be warmed is not enough. We need to meet those needs. We need to learn to say yes to those urgent needs, not to enabling people in sin. But everything shouldn't be based on, is it convenient for me? There's a lot of, it was inconvenient for the Lord to go to the cross. But hear this as well. There's absolutely a place for saying No. The Lord has called us to be Jesus pleasers, not people pleasers. And there were many times when the Lord said no to people. He said no a lot of times. In the course of the Lord's ministry, a man came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Luke 12, 13. Boy, this is a big deal. It's a matter of gold. Tell my brother, Lord, intervene. Tell him to divide my inheritance, the inheritance with me. And Jesus said to a man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? These guys weren't spiritual. The last thing on their mind was repentance. Their whole world revolved around their little money pot over here. And they're wanting, call, they're wanting the Lord to walk away from spiritual matters to come to tend to their, you know, temporal nonsense. And we need to be careful as believers that we don't get pulled away from the things of God and caught up in temporary drama. There's a time to say no to that stuff. Because guess what? It's always going to be there. We see the Lord again when he's talking about going to the cross in Matthew 16. Peter jumped up and said, I forbid it, Lord. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You're mindful of the things of man, not of the things of God. And then this is Palm Sunday that we call it. Listen, in Luke 19, the Lord is going there into Jerusalem. And the people are crying out, Hosanna. They're worshiping the Lord. And the Pharisees say to Jesus, you need to tell these people to stop. The Lord said, listen, if I tell them to stop, the stones will cry out. I'm not going to do that. Just because someone asks us to do something doesn't mean we're obligated to say yes to it, especially if we're invited to go along with the wicked, to lie, ask to sin, ask to put again temporary things above eternal things. We need to say no and not waver in it. Listen, as a pastor, I have to tell people no to things all the time. I get asked to write a lot of reference letters. I won't write them for flaky people. I've had people, oh, will you write me a letter? I can't get a job. Nope. Why? You're the pastor. You're supposed to. Because you don't have a job because you're a flake. And if I sign my name to a letter and you get the job because of my letter and they find out you're a flake after the fact, they're going to say, I'm a flake, then my word means nothing. You should have taken care of this the last 10 years of your life. Been asked to marry a believer with an unbeliever. I'm not going to do that. Not to pray in Jesus' name, not to share the gospel, to tone it down. No, no, no. Asked to pay rent for people who refuse to work, who spend their money on prodigal living. Who am I to get in the way of the chastisement of the Lord? Again, there's a time to say yes to an urgent need, but there is not a yes to enabling people to sin. So there's balances in these things. And then again, we close here. He says, lest you fall into judgment. And again, this judgment, it's multi-layered here. Again, if you do not keep your word and you're known as a flake, you're going to be judged by people. And so don't boo-hoo and whine when all of a sudden people don't take you seriously or there's no room for advancement or whatever else. And I don't blame people for saying no if you've been a flake your whole life. Now again, what do you do about it? Do like the brother I told you earlier, repent and get some things changed. 
And God help us and all, help all of us in this because we've all been flakes before, have we not? And then again, the Lord, if you're his son or daughter, he's going to chastise that here on earth. Ecclesiastes 5.4. When, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Let your mouth cause, do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin or say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at you, at your excuse? Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in a multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity. Notice here, but fear God. There should be a fear of God in our commitment. If I say yes, then God is expecting me to keep my word as best as I can. And if I don't, there's going to be a ramification. Because God's promises are yes and amen. And he says, son, if you don't keep your word, I'm going to chastise you. And if you do, even when it hurts, I'm going to bless you. And then Matthew 12, 36. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they'll give an account of it on the day of judgment. By, by your words, you'll be justified by your words, you'll be condemned. And yes, in Christ, we are forgiven. We are under grace. But we are still going to give an account for what we did as Christians. It's a weighty matter here. It's a matter, though, that's oftentimes not talked about. And I think even in this epistle, oftentimes this verse is like a speed bump through the book of James. But I feel impressed. We need to take some time to consider it. I've been considering it. I want to be more of a man of my word. I appreciate your prayers for me in that. And let's pray for one another that we could be a people that are known as, again, people of integrity when it comes to our word. Amen? Let's stand up and close in worship of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> well, Heavenly Father, we lift you up today. We just thank you for who you are. And Lord, we thank you, God. We can't thank you enough that Again, your word is true. It's not perverse. It's not crooked. That we can trust what it says, that your promises to us this morning are yes and amen. Oh, Lord, let us not take that lightly. Let us rejoice in that. Let us consider that. How horrible would it be if the God who made all things was a liar? But you're not. How horrible if the God who made all things was unloving, but you're not. We thank you that you're merciful and you're gracious but lord we do not want to take you for granted for you are holy and you are just and you are the judge as well so lord help us today lord forgive me forgive us as a people lord where we have made light of our commitments where we have not counted the cost in considering whether to say yes or no to something Help us to have a more weighty fear of God when it comes to this area of our life. And then, Lord, where, again, it hurts to keep our word, give us faith, God, knowing that in doing that, we're bringing praise to you and absolutely, God, bringing forth a witness that can be effective, God. Help us, Lord. We need it. We need your grace and mercy. And listen, this morning as you've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if you haven't called on his name, today is the day of salvation. It is time to turn from serving sin, to acknowledge sin as sin, and ask Jesus to forgive you and be the Lord of your life. To ask him to lead your life. To ask him to, again, wash you and cleanse you. And he absolutely will. The Bible says whoever, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And whoever is an all-encompassing word, and that's a beautiful thing. So call on him this morning. As, listen, we're going to worship the Lord, and afterwards the altar is going to be open up here. And this morning, if you need prayer, I encourage you to come up. There will be prayer counselors up here. And this morning, if you give your life to the Lord, or have, I encourage you to come up. And there's folks up here that will love to pray with you. and Put a Bible in your hands, encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, in your new walk with the Lord. So God, we thank you for our time here. Let us finish well giving you praise. Let's lift our voices to the Lord.
not skilled to understand What God has willed, what God has planned I only know at His right hand There's one who is my Savior I take Him at His word and You save me this I read And in my heart I find a need Of Him to be my Savior That He should leave His place on high And come for sinful man to die You counted strange so have a wonderful day in the Lord. Reminder, we'll be out in the park at 5 p.m. praying and just to, again, encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ today. God bless you.